the Destiny Church 217 podcast. Today we're hearing from Pastor Eric Hansen, Senior Leader of Destiny Church. This message continues in our series entitled, Walk the Talk. Listen in as we follow Jesus' example of not compromising truth to be accepted. Following the message, take a look at the episode description to see scripture references, as well as helpful links to learn more about the ministry of Destiny Church. on a series about walking the talk. In other words, we have a lot of uh, words, 60,000, um, s- excuse me, I need to focus. There. <laughs> 60 pages, not 60,000, 60 pages of text. If Jesus' words were typed out in a 12 font with an inch margin, and he spoke a lot, 60 pages worth. Um, six times more than the United States Constitution. That's how many words Jesus spoke. And he spoke about the kingdom of God and forgiveness and repentance, salvation, the new covenant, and on and on we go. But I I thought it important for us to see what he did. Because we all have people in our lives that can talk a good talk, right? Yeah, I don't know. Okay. But it takes getting out and doing it that makes a difference in the world. And so, um, in the life of Jesus, I've thought, I said, listen, don't tell me, show me. And so I've looked at his actions and landed on this as our series verse. It's 1 John 3.18. So if you're writing something down, if you're highlighting something, this is the best place for you to begin. And it says this, let us not love with words or tongue, but with actions and in truth. So Father, thank you for your word. And Lord, you've given us more than words. You've given us your actions, actions and truth. And so today, as we jump into your word, show us the things that you've done and how we can emulate you in Jesus' name, amen. Say less, do more. Don't tell me, show me. Talk is cheap. Stop talking and start doing. So, ha. It's an obvious one, but how how do you bring it to today? And that is what he did. He didn't say, go flip over tables. And I mean, 1 John chapter one, (laughs) flip tables. Second Peter, whatever, form whip. Let's have a whip, how about that? We're gonna start a whip forming class. Eh? Let's have a class on how to make whips. That's not what he said, but he did flip some tables. So we're going to talk about whip and flip today. And in uh, John chapter 2, we have where it was when it was almost time for the Jewish Passover. Jesus went up into Jerusalem. In the temple courts, he found men selling cattle, sheep, doves, and other things, and sitting there at the tables exchanging money. Verse 15, so he made a whip out of cord, which is what that is, and drove them from the temple area. Doesn't sound like he asked them nicely when it says he drove them with a whip in his hand. And uh, both the sheep and the cattle. Then he scattered the coins of the money changers and he overturned their tables. So let's just contextualize this for a second. It, uh, it 
there is those, there are those who are like, oh, you, you know, you're, you're having a bake sale or you're selling t-shirts or that's not, that's not, that's not what we're after here. What was going on in the temple was that people were coming at the time of the Passover, as it says, and they were traveling from a long distance and they couldn't bring their animals with them for the sacrifice. And so the money changers were more than happy to provide the animals, the doves and the sheep and so on and so forth. But here's the, here's the thing. When you would buy and sell stuff inside the temple, you couldn't use your dirty, filthy lucre. You couldn't lose your, use your money. You had to use special holy money. So when you came with your $100 bill, you couldn't buy or sell inside the temple. You had to turn it into temple money. And so they would exchange your money for temple money. And if you've ever traveled abroad and you have to exchange your dollar for, a, let's say, a peso, um, you're very concerned about what the exchange rate is because, you know, if a can of soda costs you a dollar here, and it's a seven to one ratio for pesos to dollars, a can of soda should cost you about seven pesos in Mexico. Well, if the, if the exchange rate is all messed up and they're gouging you, now you gotta spend 25 pesos for your can of soda, which is three times more expensive. But you don't have a choice because you can't use your money. So this was the issue in the temple. They were ripping people off on the exchange rate and, of course, overpricing, I'm sure, the doves and the cattle and the sheep, et cetera, et cetera. That's what Jesus had an issue with. And so he formed a whip, and he went in, and he flipped the money changers' tables over, drove out the cattle, the sheep, and overturned the tables. But we live in a modern era where we're not supposed to rock the boat. Sit down, sit down, sit down, sit down, sit down, you're rocking the boat. Don't stir the pot, don't make waves, don't disturb the peace, don't ruffle any feathers. Because that's what they tell us. They're more than happy to do their own ruffling. And so as I looked at this scripture, in light of our, the context of the series, I said, you know what? I don't want to, or we shouldn't, hyper-spiritualize this text so that metaphorically, we all talk about flipping over tables that, you know, in the spirit realm, and, and what we do is we allegorize it and we turn it all into something very soft and actions that aren't actually flipping over tables and whipping people. That's a little aggressive, Pastor. You calm down. Listen, I haven't even had a half a cup of coffee this morning. Can you imagine? Oh, we can do better. There we go. So let's set some ground rules. Even though we're tempted to spiritualize all of this, the ground rule is that whatever emotion you have as it relates to them telling you or us, what we should or shouldn't do, particularly being quiet and sit down and be passive, is that the emotion needs to be approved by God. Let's start there. Anger 
is okay. It says so in the scripture. We can be angry, but we can't sin. But it's the actions of our anger. That's where we get out of control. That's where we can cross the line. In 2 Timothy 2, verse 15, it says, do your best to present yourself to God, one who's approved, a workman who does not need to be ashamed, who correctly handles the word of truth. What that means is you don't get to go off half-cocked, half-baked. You've got to know why it is that you're gonna flip a table. Ooh, I almost hit myself. That's not good. Or, mm, there we go. So, our series theme verse, let's look at it again, a little closer this time. Let us not love with words or tongue, but with actions and in truth. So these actions, these actions that happen in truth are to be done in what? Love. You remember this, please, if you forget everything else, the people who sat at the tables that Jesus overturned, he died for. So I'm gonna gonna present to you the most often misused scripture as it relates to trying to keep us from turning over tables and forming a whip. And it's used in Rome, it's, it's found in Romans chapter 13. For everyone must submit himself to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. So sit down, you Christians. Be quiet. You're supposed to be subject to every governing authority. That's not rightly handling the word of truth. And if they sell you that and you buy it, you're being led down the wrong path. They use this verse in Romans 13.1 as a cudgel, as a baseball bat to bludgeon us into obedience. But if you're going to interpret the word correctly, when civil and governmental rulers overstep their proper function, it is it is vital that we obey God rather than men. Acts 4.19 says, but Peter and John, they replied, judge for yourselves whether it's right for God, uh, to, uh, right in God's sight to obey you rather than God. They're saying, listen, we, we understand government, what your rules are, but we need to do what, we, what God tells us to do. And then in the next chapter, Acts 5.29, Peter, who's involved in both of these situations, and the other apostles replied, we must obey God rather than men. So what this means is when Romans 13 comes to play about actually getting involved in something where you're gonna have to flip a table or form a whip, and they want you to sit down and be quiet, be compliant, and they use Romans 13 to bludgeon you, you need to say, hold on a second. Romans 13 teaches us not to be lawless. That's what the whole chapter is about. So that when I do stand for the rule of law, by not complying with a lawless government, I'm actually obeying Romans 13. Some of you aren't buying it because you think they know you're in this building today and you don't want them to know 
that you're part of, part of that group. <laughs> they already do. So we looked at actions of Jesus, and he's engaged in what we're calling today the whip and flip. Oh, I love that. Well, you know what we call that? Call that, we call that beast mode. You ever heard of beast mode? Beast mode. If you don't know, let me enlighten you from the Urban Dictionary. I wouldn't suggest you go there often, but <laughs> it's the nomenclature. And so it's a way of life. Beast mode. Beast mode's a way of life. That's how the definition starts. It's a way of life. Its purpose is to put you as a human being into the most dedicated, focused, ferocious, tenacious lifestyle that you can achieve. Hyped without hype, pumped without the juice, high without the drugs, super intense, beast mode. We're gonna call that, for the, for the, for the rest of the sermon, we're gonna call that the whip and flip. You need to come to a place in your life where you are willing to whip and flip. And if you're not, they will run you over. Well, don't upset the apple cart, Pastor. I'm telling you, there is clearly, there are times in the life of a New Testament believer that not only could we, but we should whip and flip. They want you to be a pacifist. They want you to be a peacemaker. They want you to submit. But if that's all you hear, what do you do with Matthew 10, 34? Do not suppose that I've come to bring peace to the earth. Do not suppose that I have come. Does he have a lamb in his arms when he says that or does he have a whip in his arms when he says that? Do not suppose that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I have come to bring, not peace, but a sword. So let's, let's start here. And if this still rubs you wrong, then you have to tear out the entire story of Jesus fashioning a whip kicking over tables and running people out of the temple. So let's make the parallel. There are organizations, I'm gonna call them organizations, who wholeheartedly embrace and affirm the gay, lesbian, bi, trans, queer lifestyle stuff. Well, pastor, you seem to be bringing this up really often. You know why? Because they're trying to shove it down our throats. And if you're not aware of what's happening, you'll eat it. Who am I talking about? Well, of course, you know, uh, the, whether it's this system or the government or that agency or this agency. Listen, I'm not a lawyer. I'm not a doctor, but I am a pastor. So I do feel, I do feel um, empowered to talk about agencies like the Evangelical Lutheran Church. The Evangelical Lutheran Church in America wholeheartedly embraces LGBTQ. 
lesbian, gay, bi, trans, the whole thing. Evangelical Lutheran Church. Listen, the government this and the government that. Let's just let me focus for a minute here on, on hey, stay in your lane, pastor. I'm in my lane right now. The Evangelical Lutheran Church in America, there's one right down at 220 South 2nd Street in Springfield, Trinity Evangelical Lutheran Church, faces the state capitol building. That they, you walk into that church and you listen to that, that, that preaching, you may, get, you may get 90% really good stuff. But if you wanna drink a bottle of water that has 10% sewage in it and 90% pure water, you're gonna find yourself sick. Well, you're picking, on, you're picking on the Evangelical Lutheran Church. Okay, how about the Downtown Church of Christ? Right here in town, Downtown Church of Christ. Abraham Lincoln Unitarian Universalist Congregation right here in town. First Church of the Brethren right here in Springfield. Heartland Metropolitan Community Church right here in Springfield. Any United Church of Christ right here in Springfield. The Episcopal Church, right here in Springfield, any Episcopal Church, come on in. And listen, we say come on in. If you're gay here today, welcome. I'm just saying I'm not going to affirm your sinful lifestyle. Somebody has to be able to say, you know what? It's not right. I'm not threatening to whip you and turn your, turn your life upside down. I'm telling you, there needs to be a backbone formed in your spine, ladies and gentlemen, that says, you know what? I, if First Presbyterian Church, I, I went, I, listen, the only reason I know these things is because this is my lane, but I, you just could go Google it too. LGBTQ affirming churches in Springfield and get the same list I just read to you. Go to the Presbyterian website. That's their landing page. The Presbyterian Church. The United Methodist Church. I have a video for you. This church is unique because it's global. We love that. But uh, viewpoints on how to do ministry with LGBTQ people differ so widely around the world that it makes coming to a consensus in a body like this really difficult. I think the important thing is despite what happens here, the gathering is going to continue to move forward with a ministry that fully includes all people, including uh, LGBTQ people. United Methodist Church is the third largest faith community in the U.S. All right, so here's the deal. The United Methodist Church is the largest congregation, is the largest Christian denomination, uh, third largest in America. They have been trying to decide whether or not they are going to be inclusive of LGBTQ lifestyle in their churches, as in affirming them and saying that's okay, it's all good, and all of that. They've been trying to vote on that for their last three general conferences, but they can't come to a vote. There's all kinds of decisions and, dis and then COVID happened and they put it off again, they put it off again and they put it off again till finally a bunch of Methodists have said, we're gonna form another denomination called the Global Methodist Church, GMC. 
You may not be aware of this, but the global Methodist church are the conservative Methodists who are saying to the United Methodist church saying, listen, guys, you need to get your act together. It's so easy and it's so clear. You need to vote because we're done playing your game. We obviously don't affirm that lifestyle. And because you drug your feet and drug your feet and leaders in the denomination say, you know what, it's eventually going to happen. We are going to form our own called the global Methodist church. They've already done it. And of the United Methodist churches in America today, 20%, one in five has already left the United Methodist church over this issue. If you're not aware of that, welcome to my lane. So I, I wanted to talk to the new pastor, Pastor Roger Grimmett uh, at First United Method, the largest Methodist church here in Springfield. I said, I wrote him a note and I said, hey, just wanted to know where you guys come down on this whole thing because, you know, and he, I don't know if he knew that I knew everything, but I do know because I have family that was in the United Methodist Church that said, you know what, we're going with global. So I'm, I'm intimately aware of the, of the Methodist Church. And he said, you know what, we're, we haven't made a decision yet because they haven't voted on it yet. I said, okay. He goes, I think the people that left and formed global, and I'm, I'm telling you what he said, have left prematurely. And then I, we had a conversation via email and I said, well, you know, and he says, well, he says, even if the United Methodists vote in an affirming way of the LGBT, LGBTQ lifestyle, we will remain United Methodist Church. We will not leave and join global, but we, st but we will not affirm the LGBTQ lifestyle, which I thought was an interesting answer because, you know, because if you want to get out of the Methodist church, if you want to get out of the Methodist denomination, I just read an article past, this past week, the United Methodist would be more than happy to let you take their building out of the denomination, but it's going to cost you $1.4 million to one church that was uh, mentioned in this article that I read. So they'll charge you to leave the denomination. So, so I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I want you to be, I want to be clear. I'm not besmirching Roger Grimmett, the pastor of First United Methodist Church here in Springfield because they, they have officially not made a decision whether or not they're going to leave. But notwithstanding them, the other churches that I've listed and some others, you can find the list yourself, those churches, their denominations, with the strongest terms possible, they are wrong. They fear men and not God. Those churches are apostate. They become syncretic, which is a theological term where they synchronize the church with the world. Say, so, you know, we'll just, be, we'll just look like them so we can get along. It's actually a heresy. They've all fallen into heresy. They bowed to the humanist God of this age and they are in horrific error and approaching a demonic cult. And so I used to be, many years ago, when I first became a pastor, and people would come to me, maybe not this issue, but some other issue, and they say, Pastor, um, my church is this, and my church is that, and I, I don't, I, and, I, and maybe they come on encounter, they get fired up, and, and they say, I'm gonna stay in my church, and I'm gonna make a difference in my church. And I used to say, yes, I'll pray for you, go make a difference, but without exception, they never do. Why is that? It's because they're not the leader. They're not the pastor. You're not gonna make a difference. Fish rot from the head back. Isn't that what they say? 
So you're not gonna make a difference. So I'm telling you, I'm telling those on television, I'm telling those that are listening by podcast, if you're in one of those denominations, get out. Get out. Get out, get out, get out, get out. Find a church that is Bible-believing on that issue and every other issue as best as possible. Now, do you think that I think I know everything? No. I learned the day after I graduated from Bible school, I didn't know everything. I told the first steps class this morning. I'm a sojourner like you, but there are certain things that are immutable and they are unchangeable. And one of them is the word of God. And when God says that lifestyle is wrong, you cannot be a church. You can be an organization, but you can't call yourself a church and be affirming of the LGBTQ lifestyle. Come on, no, come on in, be changed. Drunkard, adulterer, homosexual, come be changed. So let's whip and flip a few more. If your church or your pastor is pro-abortion, leave. If your presidential candidate is pro-abortion and you vote for them, you are just as guilty as they are. So I had a conversation. I'll tell you who I had the conversation with. I had the conversation with uh, uh, Pastor Steve Nordyke who brings nice clarity to me sometimes because oftentimes I'm a whip and flip kind of guy and he's a little more not. And so I took this message to him and I said, listen, I don't wanna, I don't wanna step over. I don't wanna step over and, and, and so that everyone is rallied to go out and buy a whip and walk through Walmart, you know what I'm saying? That's not what I'm trying to do here, right? Go buy an assault rifle or Go be stupid. That's not what I'm talking about. Please understand me. But we have to talk about not just spiritualizing this lesson, but what is it that we as Christians need to physically be doing in our community that says, listen, we're not gonna take that. That's not allowed here. Not in the six feet of my, not in the six, my, my wingspan. If it comes into this region, I got something to say about that. So I said to Pastor Steve, I said, so let's say, you know, we have, a, we have a two-party system. We have the Republicans, we have the Democrats, and historically Republicans are more conservative and they are uh, anti-abortion, pro-life, and we're not gonna get talking about rape and incest and all of that. I'm just talking about pro-life, pro-abortion, that, that uh, those are the issues. But there's coming a day where both parties are pro-abortion. I'm preparing you. If you think the paradigm will stay forever, you're mistaken. <clears throat> so, because the Republican Party is not a Christian organization, let's just be clear, okay? So, it will, it will devolve, and it will end up being an abortion, pro-abortion party and a pro-abortion party. I'm just telling you. <laughs> Oh, boy, I could just feel the angst among some of you in this room. Please don't be that way. Listen, I just want to tell you the truth. So here's the deal. So you come to a point, you come to a point where they're both, where they're both pro-abortion. What do you do? And I had this conversation with Steve. Um, and, I, and, and I'm of a mind that we say, I'm going to vote. Do I throw my vote away? and vote for somebody that's pro-life 
knowing that my vote could be taken away from somebody else's vote and then actually empowering somebody that I don't want to be there. And then I have to live underneath that. Daniel lived under the Nebuchadnezzar regime and was okay. If you think having someone with your political persuasion in power in the White House somehow makes you safe, you're, you're, you're deluded. So my ultimate goal, and you can choose for yourself, but my ultimate goal, because I don't want to tell you how to think. I don't want to tell you what to think. I want to tell you how to think. Here's the how to think. What are you going to do on that day? when you stand before the Lord. And he says, uh, let's check your voting record. Oh, you voted for this guy that wanted to kill babies. Why did you do that? Well, he didn't want to kill as many babies as the other guy. Well, he still wanted to kill babies. Why didn't you vote for somebody that didn't want to kill babies to lead you? And for me, I'm telling you, this is me, it is my litmus test. It is. It really is. It is my litmus test. Because Daniel lived under Nebuchadnezzar and was okay. Well, this guy's gonna raise your taxes and he's gonna raise your taxes. He's gonna take away your rights. He's gonna take away your guns. And he's gonna take away all your liberties. Blah, 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 blah. But I didn't, I didn't vote for him. <laughs> the guy said, I got you. Because Eric, you cast your vote for a righteous person. I know I'm just about out of time. Um, good thing. Because <laughs> I have some more to say. And, but, I, but I do want you to know uh, that there is a way to whip and flip. And that is to leave those churches that, I mean, you talk about. See, there's people, there's people watching right now uh, that have soul, oh my gosh, they have soul ties to the church that they're in. And they don't want to leave that church because they gave money to, for that organ. And their grandkids and great-grandbabies were baptized in that church. And they got a brick out front with their name on it. And they make a lot of money and they contribute a lot to that church. And if they were to leave that church, it would be the equivalent of just. And they, they, don't, want, they don't want to deal with the fallout of kicking over a table and saying, listen, pastor, I can't be in a church where you support abortion and I can't be in a church where you wear a rainbow stole on Sunday mornings. It's wrong, pastor. So they just go along with it. So this is the literal, physical kicking of tables and forming a whip. Throwing your vote away. I'm, I don't ever throw my vote away. I vote every time I can vote, and I vote for people who don't want to kill babies. And I'm gonna vote for people who don't want to shove LGBTQ down my throat either. One of the whip and flips we've got going on right here is our homeschool academy. Not everything in the public school system is wrong, but it's not a Christian organization, and it's, it's, it's going the way of everything else. So we started a Christian homeschool academy. That's a whip and flip right there, ladies and gentlemen. The Dream Center next door, you know what that is? That's a whip and flip. 
I'm not here to get PS 186 mad at me. Heavens no. But you gotta call a spade a spade. Jesus was a name caller. Jesus was a name caller? You, I don't think you wanna send me back to Kid Zone today and have me teaching in the, <laughs> teaching in the, in the Destiny Kids. But he was, you know why? He called them vipers, he called them snakes, he called them whitewashed tombs, he called them children of hell, he called them fools, and he always spoke out against the abuse of power. Jesus, the name caller, the whip and flip. Wow, what a sermon. We just need to be reminded sometimes that being kind and being full of mercy and being gentle doesn't always mean rolling over and and letting them walk on you. So, I have a whole lot more to say, but I'll finish up with this final story, and I won't read the whole thing for sake of time. But remember when Jesus was brought the woman who was caught in adultery? You remember that? That was a whip and flip moment right there, man. Because they tried to shove it down his throat, and he says, no, no, no. Who, Who without sin? I need you to cast the first stone. You know what he did? He flipped the table on him, man. He, he could have just have formed a whip and just took him to business. But, but he, she said, uh, at this, they began to walk away until only Jesus and the woman was there. Jesus straightened up and asked her, woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, she said. Well, then neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. Go, leave, here it is, leave your life of sin. That I love you, I embrace you, I affirm you in your, in your whoring lifestyle. I affirm you in that. No, don't do that. So the motive behind the mandate, that's where we start. This is our text. Let us love. How can you whip and flip in love? That's where we end. You do it on social media. You do it through whistleblowing, running for office, protesting, demonstrations, investigative journalism, going to school board meetings, running for city council, and on and on the list goes. Every one of those is a whip and flip moment. They all demand that you take a stand. That's why we often don't. It's because we weigh the cost of whipping and flipping, of taking a stand. And the cost is this. Relationally, you'll be criticized, You may lose your job, there'll be legal action against you, there'll be harassment, even violence. Social isolation, you lose your family, you lose your friends, they deplatform you, they put you in Facebook jail. Ooh. (laughs) The psychological stress, anxiety, fear, financial consequences, loss of privacy, they'll dox, put out your address. I would love I would love to dox and publish the, publish the address of the woman who commits abortions every single day at Planned Parenthood here in Springfield, five days a week. Word is she drives in from Missouri. Every day drives up from Missouri to kill babies here in Springfield. I would love to dox her. And I told Pastor Steve that. And he says, Eric, that would not be doing that in love because what you want some, you, you, you want her to have, you want some, you open the door for some weirdo 
to go find her and do her harm. You can say her name. He goes, you can say her name, but I wouldn't give her a dress because you'd be crossing the line between doing something in love because you want to save babies and vengeance. See, you see, you see how you can't make a rule in Christianity? You got to go with the Holy Ghost. I got to whip and flip in a way that honors God. See, I had to get there, didn't I? We had to get there. Because there are those that don't honor God with their whip and flip, and they cause us more grief. Because we're supposed to be people of love. So, here we go. Jesus had fallout when he whipped and flipped. At this, John 5, 18, and later in John again in chapter eight, it says this. At that, they picked up stones to stone him, but Jesus hid himself and slipped away from the temple grounds. Jesus constantly spoke truth to power. So I have a prophetic word for you this morning. In Ecclesiastes chapter three, and I send you home with this, it says, to everything there is a season. Every activity under heaven has a season. Verse seven and eight. There's a time to tear down, a time to mend, a time to be silent, a time to speak. Time to love, a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. My prophetic word to you is to everything there is a season. And I declare that we are entering, the church is entering a season of whip and flip. We have to. We have to. We have to challenge the status quo. Stand up to authority. Hold those in power accountable. Voice your dissent. If your school board's doing something stupid and you haven't gone to a, you haven't gone to a board meeting, go in there and tell them exactly what's on your mind about the word of God. Speak out against injustice. So you wanna be radical? Stay pure. You wanna be radical? Stay pure. Get married, have kids, go to church, read your Bible and love Jesus. That's radical. That's a, that's a whip and flip right there in today's society. So I've run out of time. <clears throat> but I haven't run out of ammunition. I, wanna, I, wanna, I want us all to be motivated to do. Faith without works is dead. Where in, here's the challenge now, where in your life are you just kind of willingly floating down the river on these things? Or is there something that has come to your attention where the spirit of Antichrist is stirring you up or stirring the situation up and God is saying you need to get involved? You need to go flip some tables over in that school board meeting, in that library meeting, in that club. And, and or, or listen, I'm not talking about going and setting fire to stuff and tearing stuff down. No, 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 please. I've played, I've, hopefully I've made myself a, more than abundantly clear. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the church of God standing up and saying, you know what? These are the last days. And we need to stick together. We need to have... We need to know that the word of God is preached and it's true and we're staking our lives on it. Okay, I almost went into another sermon, but I don't have that time to do that. So I'd like you to stand up, which will give you hope that I'm closing. <laughs> and, and I'll pray for us.
There is something for you to physically do to take a stand. Go to that meeting, voice your opinion. Yeah, there's gonna be fallout probably. Somebody's not gonna like you not wearing the rainbow name tag at work. So I'm not gonna wear a rainbow name. Why do I have to wear that name tag? I'll wear my normal name tag. Yeah, I don't wanna wear a rainbow name tag. And I'm not gonna participate in liturgy in a church that identifies God as being LGBTQ. You just walk out the door. That's a whip and flip. There's something in your life where you need to take a stand. Father, in Jesus' name, we're feeling pressed but not crushed, persecuted, not abandoned, struck down but not destroyed. You are with us and you will see us through. Dark days, Lord, coming, judgment days coming to America unless we repent and get ourselves right with you. So we ask for your forgiveness, God. We repent for voting in a way that was more concerned about our pocketbook than righteousness. We repent of that, God, of rolling over and just ignoring, sticking our head in the sands, just hoping it'll go away. No, God, we're gonna start taking a stand. We're gonna speak up. We're gonna speak righteousness. We're gonna do it in the name of Jesus and we're gonna do it in love. So we walk from this place today empowered, knowing that you're with us. Your Holy Spirit will lead us, guide us, and give us strength. But Lord, there may be people here today that don't know you. They're lost. This moment's for you. God loves you. There is right and there is wrong. And a lot of your life has been lived the wrong way. But you're not hearing condemnation from me or from the mouth of Jesus or from his word. He says, go and sin no more. He says, I love you. I, I love you so much I can't leave you in your life of sin. He's not calling you to be perfect. He's just calling you to walk with him. He'll wash you clean. If that's your heart's desire today, just raise your hand with me. Father, right now in Jesus' name, those with their hands up, wash them clean with your word, with your blood. Give them a brand new start right now. Forgive them of their sins. Right now you are forgiven. Walk in strength, knowing your name is in the Lamb's book of life and that Jesus loves you. Everybody in this place, just say this after me. Jesus, I love you. Come into my heart and give me a brand new start. Thank you, Father, for your forgiveness. We give you all the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. This has been a message from Destiny Church in Springfield, Illinois. To learn more about our ministry, visit the episode description where you can find links to our website, ways to give, and more information about who we are. You've been listening to the Destiny Church 217 Podcast, your place for real, relevant relationships.